You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church. What a privilege it is for me to reflect with you in the Word of God in the first Sunday of 2022. I would um, pray for you a blessing that my great mentors and teachers prayed for me and us, that you would have a new year in kind, not just number. That it wouldn't just be one more number in the numbers of years of your life, but that this year would be new in your relationship with God, in your relationship in your faith community, with your family, at your workplace, with your neighbors. Today we're in uh, the book of Philippians, the third chapter. I'm going to read aloud the first 14 verses and get started. There's more that could be said, but uh, I'm going to limit it to that. I do want to say in uh, being taught and teaching the Word of God for more than 50 years, I haven't got to the bottom of one text yet. That sacred scripture is different than any other kind of literature, and it has res, it has substance, So you can read the same text for 50 years of your life and you're still seeing uh, new things and uh, a word from God for your life today. Let's read. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write these same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If others think they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, 
becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. and Thanks be to God. So the first thing uh, I want to uh, share with you, we've talked about before in the First verse we read here today, Paul will tell us, um, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, we've, um, when a person comes to experience the love of Jesus, there's great joy. And uh, for people like myself who have been on this path for a number of years, uh, I need to learn to rejoice. It literally means find your joy again. Remember that joy you had when Jesus uh, reached out to you, forgave you. Uh, if you have lost that somehow, uh, it's on you uh, to find it again. And believe me, it's very possible to lose that. I remember hearing great teachers talking about uh, the 99 and the one sheep and a sheep getting lost. And they said, you know, there never has been a sheep who wakes up in the morning and says, today, I'm going to get lost. But, you know, they start sniffing something here and chewing on something there and the next thing they know, they're lost. Well, this can happen to us in our relationship with God, too. It can start so beautiful and so tender, and we can be so encouraged that there's forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. But then, you know, somebody comes along, and they're a different brand of Christ follower than we are, and they tell us we got it kind of wrong, and... And, and uh, in a desire to become uh, more zealous for things of the Spirit, uh, we can find ourselves evolving into kind of mean-spirited people. And uh, the idea that a person could consider themselves in a relationship with God and uh, at the same time be evolving into a hater a hater of neighbor, a hater of people who don't agree, a hater of people who vote differently, a hater of uh, people who are not in our select group. This has gone on since the fall. It has certainly gone on since the time this letter to the Philippians has been written. And the Apostle Paul wants to talk about it. it I'm not going to take the time to talk about circumcision, but people are coming to Jesus and 
there's folks coming uh, right behind the apostles saying, uh, they, you know, you need to take it further. You need to take it further. And uh, it results in a spirit of hating. Religious people in Jesus' day hated Jesus. And in Paul's day, uh, uh, hated the followers of Jesus. And Paul was the chief of that group. The Apostle Paul is the patron saint of haters. He says that right here in this text. He says, I, I would persecute God's people. He would drag followers of Jesus out of their homes by their hair. You'd have to grab something else for me, with me. But, um, and he believed he was doing God's will. Uh, he talks about his life before he really came to God, and he looked better before he encountered Jesus than he ever looked again in his entire life. He looked like a person who could meet every standard of what it was to be right with God. But the way uh, that manifested itself towards others was pure hatred. So for ourselves, you know, we ought to examine ourselves. Do we find ourselves angry a lot? Do we find ourselves in conflict with our spouse often, with our children, with our parents, at work, at church? Are things never quite good enough? Do we find ourselves depressed? All these are indications that though we may have begun well, we've lost our way. And believe me, if you have lost your way, you're in good company. Uh, Jesus uh, always creates, what do they call that, Alex, in a, a back door in, in computer talk, you know, a way to get back to where we were at the beginning, uh, a reset button. And that reset button for you and I is rejoice in the Lord. I say it to you again. Find that joy again. If, you, if we have just become a different person, and we didn't do it on purpose, but we at least suspect that we're there if it isn't an absolute fact. Uh, there is a way back and say, Jesus, I don't know how I got lost, but I'm looking to you to recover. Moving to the seventh verse, the apostle Paul says, the things that were gained to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Jesus. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider all the accomplishments of my life garbage compared to knowing Jesus. Now, sometimes I think in evangelical America, we have um, quenched that desire for Christ followers to press forward to know Jesus more, to know him more deeply. It's like, hey, I'm saved, give me a break. Like, like being saved is saving us from God instead of saving us to God. But here is Paul who has been so powerfully and miraculously converted 
He's in this relationship with Jesus, and he's saying, I want more. I want more of Jesus. We used to sing a simple ditty when I was a young believer, like your newly called pastor. I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I've ever had before. I want more of his great love, rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. And I can encourage you that we will spend a lifetime learning to give more of ourselves to God, that we might have more of the mind of God in our own minds and hearts. You and I are created as sons and daughters of God. And so to go through day-to-day life without thinking about God is to voluntarily uh, make ourselves a lower animal, uh, that we concern ourselves with eating and drinking and breeding and entertainment and uh, power and money. And uh, it's, uh, it's a pity uh, to be in God's image and live as a lower animal. But the Apostle Paul, who so authentically converted, says, I am straining to know Jesus more. And I consider the, accomplish- the accomplishments in my life garbage. Uh, in compared to the worth of every day being able to pour my heart out to God, to listen to him through his word, through sacred music, uh, through brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, this is... Uh, This is what's going on in the life of Paul. This is the life that we've been invited into. I want to know Jesus. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. So, trick question. Does God always win? You know, you would think it's like, uh, you know, who hides squirrel uh, nuts in the ground, you know, and Sunday school kids say, Jesus, you know, of course God always wins. But um, I suppose God could always win, but he has chosen to lose often and lose daily in his wrestling with you, in his wrestling with others. You know, some of my prayer requests get answered right away. Some of them are 10 years old and they haven't been answered yet. Uh, Some of them just don't work out the way I wanted them to. I remember praying one day and I was complaining to God that things weren't going the way I want them to. And I felt like he said, well, do you think things go the way I want them to? Look at the world. Look at it. Does God always win? And I suppose he could rig it so that he did always win. So we'd say, uncle, 
But he has created such a privilege for human beings that you and I can say no to God. And our neighbor can, and our spouse can, and our children can, our pastor can, and uh, our boss at work can. And um, so Paul talks about a way of living where we have the power of the resurrection in our life, where there, we really do have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Uh, but we also participate in the losses. We participate in the sufferings of Christ. When someone you love is uh, making horrible choices uh, and it pains you, it likewise pains God, and you and God are having fellowship with each other, suffering a loss, suffering a desire that this is not what I meant, this is not what I hoped for. And uh, the Apostle Paul is putting himself at risk often, and uh, several times being rejected, being literally beaten, being imprisoned, being told to leave town. And uh, my good friend Milton, who I saw yesterday, we were talking about various churches and fellowships, and he said, I've been thrown out of better places than this. And uh, there is a way of walking with Jesus that... Uh, where we really rejoice in so many victories and so much movement of the Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection at work in our lives. And it makes us so glad. But where we also have a lot of hurts, that there's much that's dark in this world. And, you know, this uh, COVID pandemic is a sore trial for the whole world. Uh, and uh, which of us uh, isn't hoping and praying that it ends soon, that somehow we can resume uh, life as we knew it before this plague? Uh, these kinds of things have happened throughout all of human history for individuals and families and countries. And, uh, and this has happened in the world, uh, but it's a privilege to suffer with Jesus. It's a privilege to weep with Jesus. It's a privilege to care. It's a privilege to lose, to not always win. And one of the shortcuts that in ways that in which we may get lost as evangelicals in America it's to kind of power our way to winning, uh, to use force, to use sometimes carnal force, to use money, to use, you know, the amount of influence we can have to have our way. But you didn't win any hearts in the process. Uh, you, uh, and, um, and Paul is saying it's not always like that. We need to know Jesus in the wins and in the losses, in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship 
of his suffering. So a lot of our prayer is praise, and we also have our requests, all our uh, intercessions. Uh, but uh, likewise, we have lament. We reflect our sorrow. Uh, and sometimes the great sorrow of God is that uh, there is someone who will not come to him for healing, for deliverance, for renewal. And sometimes that person is us. And it also grieves God greatly when there are broken people around us and we are being mean-spirited toward them because we see them as wrong. When uh, the shepherd's heart is breaking and wants a, wants a more compassionate response from us. So this is part of Paul's day-to-day -day living. This is what he's describing here. He's saying, I used to be a hater, but now I want to know him. I want to know him in the winds. I want to know him in the losses. I want to have fellowship with him. I want to learn from him. And, and you know, I can say uh, in my life, I think I have learned more from my losses than from my wins. That nobody likes to lose, but uh, it can be a great tool, you know. It can provoke me to say, you know, I remember the way I handled this problem the last time. It wasn't pretty. Jesus, show me a new way. Jesus, show me a better way. When there's a lot of tension in a faith community, and believe me, for 2,000 years, there's been tension in faith communities. Uh, the, the epistles are stories of church fights, and it, uh, human nature is such uh, that it, it can happen anywhere. Uh, the cure is Jesus. The cure is finding our joy again, rejoicing, speaking the truth in love with each other. Moving to the 12th verse, Paul says, I know I haven't already obtained this or have arrived at my goal. He goes, I, I know I'm not a person. It, and let me say, if the Apostle Paul hasn't arrived, I don't know anybody yet who has either. I certainly haven't. I am learning. I, I know less today than I knew 50 years ago about God and how he works. And I'm hungry. You know, I'm mourning. I'm poor in spirit because uh, I don't care what the scorecard says. I want to know him. And I want to have more of Jesus and how I respond to my spouse and how I respond to my children and grandchildren and how I respond to people I work with and how I deal with people in faith communities. I need less of me and more of him. And I need more mercy. I need more compassion. I don't need more hate. And I don't need more judgment and uh, coming from a position of superiority all the time. All that being said, Paul will say, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, 
I forget what's behind. And I strain forward to what lies ahead. You know, our failures, they're done. Our successes are done. Uh, I need to let them go. Uh, human nature, you know, if I still want to tell you about that touchdown I scored in high school, I'm the only one who cares. Well, let me tell you all about it. It was like this, and I did this. And it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. And those failures that we thought were just so awful in our own lives, uh, they're gone. Uh, the, the great thing about Jesus, however, I, I think about a checkerboard a lot. Uh, all the pieces can only go forward except for the king. And, and, and the king can go backwards and forwards. Jesus can heal something in my past. I can't. And uh, I need to give my past to him and let it go. And I certainly don't want to live on my laurels on past accomplishments, you know. So I'm at an age where uh, a lot of people talk about retirement. And, uh, you know, some might say I'm retired and I am in some kind of way. But um, I don't want to be that person who says, well, I've gone about as far as I can go. And it's on you now. I, I want, I have more to give uh, in the work of the kingdom of God. I have more to learn from you and from others. I have, uh, I have more hate to let go of and more unbelief. I, I'm not done yet, and I want to forget what's behind. And it's interesting. So, you know, God is sovereign, and yet uh, Paul will say, I strain toward what's ahead. Jesus will say, strive to enter the narrow gate. Uh, for wide is the gate that leads to destruction and lostness. Narrow is the gate that leads to life. Uh, and I want to be on that road. And every time I get lost, I want to find an exit and uh, reverse my course. That's what repentance is. And it's not the same thing as feeling bad that I did the wrong thing. Confession is good, but it's not enough. I need to turn around after I confess and go back to that point where I got it wrong and see if we can't get it right. So I forget what lies behind. Straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We're in a new year, sisters and brothers. Uh, let's journey together. Let's learn to know Jesus more. Let's let go of disappointments and hate and unforgiveness. And uh, let's press forward uh, to what Jesus may have for us in 2022. This is what I got for today. What I'm praying for you, I pray for myself as well. Lord Jesus, 
Thank you for Life Church. And I ask that you would smile on us today, that you would quicken us, that we may forget what lies behind and press forward to what you have for us this year, that we may find our joy in you and live it out afresh. Lord, have mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.